TGIF, everyone. It's Mike Frazier on Friday, September 23rd, 2022. This week's topic is, what is the deal with this market? Well, here are our thoughts. This brutal bear market continues, and summer has moved to fall. That's a theme right there. Seemingly everything fell this week. Stocks declined, bonds declined, gold, oil, crypto, and most foreign currencies did too. The dollar is all that stayed elevated, and it's increased at levels not seen in decades. The runaway dollar keeps denting asset prices, and there have been some wild moves in currencies. A rising dollar and rising rates puts a squeeze on risk assets like stocks. And the rising dollar is also an indication that as tough as things are here in America, it's in much better shape than anywhere else in the world. So let's start with that. So why is the market so unsettled? It's a combination of multiple pressures occurring simultaneously. The nagging inflation is the Fed on a combat mission to stop it. And rising interest rates lead to higher bond yields. Prices go down as money gets more expensive. It's all happening as global growth slows and recession risks rise. On top of this is the Cold War with China, hot war in Ukraine, uncertainty around corporate earnings, and a midterm election about a month away. There's certainly a lot to digest. I covered last week that we're now paying the price for the asset bubbles built due to the free money policies in response to the pandemic. There's no such thing as free. The Fed made a tactical blunder by keeping rates at zero and buying assets too long. They're still, they were still doing it this year. Lower for longer was the tactic. Sky-high inflation was the result. Now they run the risk of going too far to correct their mistake. They're choking off the money supply in the financial system. The market is stressed. Expectations for a soft landing have gone out the window following the last Fed meeting on Wednesday. The question now appears to be how hard of a landing there will be. It's still all about the Fed. And the Federal Reserve uh, raised the overnight rate by 75 basis points this week. This was the third straight increase of that size. We haven't seen rate hikes like this in 40 years. We haven't seen inflation like this since then either. The market is currently putting a 74% probability on a fourth straight 75 basis point rate hike in November. The market now factors in the overnight rate to end the year at 4.4% and 4.6% terminal rate sometime next year. That's up from the previous expectations of 4%. The Fed has made it clear it intends to keep interest rates higher for longer. It's the complete opposite from a year ago. And this from the Fed chair this week. We've got to get inflation behind us. I wish there was a painless way to do that. There isn't. As I wrote last week, the Fed's trying to break the economy, B-R-A-K-E, but the market is signaling it's going to break the economy, B-R-E-A-K. That's the pain we're feeling. In some ways, the Fed chair is seeking a recession to break inflation. The market's acting like the Fed is breaking everything. Now, this is pretty unprecedented stuff. The Fed hiked rates this week with the S&P 500 already down 19% on the year. In history, only once did they do it with the S&P down more year to date. And that was three months ago in June when the market was down 23%. 2022 has a lot of records. Most aren't good. Add this one to the list. Now, the Fed has triggered an absolute relentless move higher for interest rates. Bond yields have spiked. The 10-year Treasury yield uh, pushed 3.8% this week. It's the highest level since 2011, while the two-year Treasury yield hit its highest level since 2007. It topped 4.2%. The spread between twos and tens went over uh, half a percent for the first time since the year 2000. The 30-year Treasury yield is the lowest of them all. The yield curve is now in a reverse slope down. That's backwards. That's a problem. When yields go up, bond prices go down. They have that tight inverse relationship. 
Bond prices have gone down big in 2022. This is shaping up to be the worst year for the bond market in decades. In the 45 years that the Bloomberg Bond Aggregate Index existed, bonds have fallen in value only five times. One of them was last year. This year, the bond ag is down double digits. That hasn't happened since 1931. Now, the move in rates has happened fast. It actually has us liking the bond market for the first time in years. There was a lot of risk in rising rates when bond yields were back at historic lows early on in COVID. That risk has certainly been realized. And we stayed underweight fixed income intentionally. That's about to change. We see a lot of value in the front end of the curve with 4% yields. Additionally, as the economy heads further towards recession, we anticipate yields falling, which would lead towards higher bond prices. Our focus is to take what the market gives us. This is the first time in a while that bonds present a legitimate alternative to stocks for income investments. At this stage, fewer than 20% of the S&P 500 stocks have dividend yields higher than the 10-year treasury. That's the lowest share since 2006. Stocks historically don't do well when yields and interest rates jump. That's certainly been the case this year. The price of money is more expensive. Profitability gets squeezed. That's what causes bear markets. And inflation remains sticky. Commodity prices have fallen. That's huge, particularly with food and energy, things we use every day. Rent has shown signs of peaking too, but at high rates. People need to live somewhere, and shelter accounts for a third of CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index. It's different than food and gas prices, which can reprice daily. Rents are generally locked in for a year without the ability to refinance earlier. Rents for single-family homes were up 12% in July from a year ago. That's a big number but it actually marked the third straight month of slower annual gains. So that's big. The Fed chair addressed it this week. Quote, for the longer term, what we need is supply and demand to get better aligned so that housing prices go up at a reasonable level at a reasonable pace and that people can afford houses again. But here's the thing. The Fed can't control supply. It can't build more houses. It can't produce more energy. It can't grow more food. What the Fed can do is crush demand. And they're doing just that. 30-year fixed mortgages jumped to 6.5%. They were 2.8% a year ago. A 6% mortgage buys a lot less house. Buyers have vanished. Prices are falling. More signs of inflation reprieve or worker shortages have eased in the restaurant industry. It's particularly uh, noticeable at the national chains. Food service employment is back near pre-COVID levels in America. It sure has taken a while. And also, declining oil prices have led to cheaper gas. The price of the pump fell 99 consecutive days. There's more money in American pockets to spend elsewhere. And the supply chain strains are easing too. Container rates have fallen. That means fewer costs pass on to the consumers ahead of the holidays. So that's big. Now, earnings season is around the corner again. It's going to be quite telling to see how corporate America is holding in. There have already been some pre-announcements with misses. Expectations are already pretty low. The question is, how low? Forecasting is nearly impossible right now. That makes pricing and future outcomes quite difficult. You can't determine uh, true fair value in terms of the traditional price-earnings ratios when you don't know the E. That creates tremendous market turbulence. That's what we're getting. And heading into 2022, expectations for this year were $225 for the S&P 500 in earnings and next year to be at 243 They still haven't budged. Expectations are likely too high. The street hasn't even started cutting estimates yet, but the market is starting to force their hands. The street is always late to act. Case in point, 
Goldman Sachs just lowered their year-end target for the S&P 500 this week to 3,600. That's basically where we are right now. Keep in mind, Goldman has cut their target three times, originally forecasting 5,100 on the S&P back in January. Very helpful. I suppose you sense the sarcasm. I mentioned the dollar earlier. It's been super strong. This week, Japan intervened in the currency market to support the yen for the first time this century. The Japanese currency fell to the weakest level against the dollar since 1998. The euro broke below parity against the dollar, and the British pound sterling fell to a level not seen since the Reagan administration. Now, the yen and the euro are by far the most traded currencies against the dollar. When both are weak, it makes it harder for anything else to rival the greenback. They're also at multi-decade lows. There's also the war in Ukraine. It entered its eighth month. The European Union is rushing to compete, uh, complete another round of sanctions against Moscow following the escalation of war. But not everyone in Europe is united on how to respond. Vladimir Putin clearly knows that and is exploiting it. This week, Putin announced a partial mobilization that will enlist another 300,000 troops. That caused major concerns about what a new stage of battle might look like. Interestingly, the price of oil keeps falling. West Texas Intermediate fell below $80 for the first time all year. That indicates that demand is being destroyed more than supplies could get curbed. It suggests a global recession is upon us. And the S&P 500 is already down 20% for the year, so far just through September. Now, since 1950, 2022 joins 1962, 1974, 2001, 2002, and 2008 as the only years to ever do that. Only 2008, during the financial crisis, saw things get worse by the end of the year. 1962 was the only year that avoided a recession. So a recession ultimately looks like it's in the bag. But the Fed has made it clear it actually seeks it. But history shows that things can get better for investors from here. Now, as we know, the market is a discounting mechanism which prices things in advance. The market will certainly turn quicker than the economy. We live in an age of extremes. 2021 brought euphoria not seen since the dot-com days. 2022 has been the complete opposite. There's so much negativity. Sentiment has seldom been this sour. Perhaps the best thing for the market right now is how bad it feels. The weekly sentiment study reported that uh, those that are bearish on the outlook just hit 61%. This level of bearishness has happened only four other times in history. The last time was 2009 in the heart of the financial crisis. There are just 17% bulls. The bull bear spread hit a negative 43%. It was 19% last week. The spread between bulls and bears is wider than the lows seen during both the dot-com bubble burst and the COVID crash. It's that bad. Then there's this. Money fled the market with over $30 billion leaving stocks and bonds and going into cash. That's a big number. And the read-through is people threw in the towel. That means from a contrarian standpoint, it might be a good sign for bottom formation. Now, with all these issues running rampant, the market has a serious case of indigestion. When things get so unsettled, the best solution is just to puke it out. That's what's going on with the market. It's nowhere close to fun, but it's necessary. It's what finally leads to better conditions. Friday brought it. At one point, the Dow was down over 800 points. The final hour brought some serious reprieve, with half the losses erased. The S&P and NASDAQ were down 3% at the lows. They cut those losses quite a bit, too. That is not insignificant. We've said for months that a retest of the June lows was likely. It's happening. It happened fast in September. The Dow broke the June low. But the S&P and NASDAQ came close, but they did not. That's where key support lies. Holding it will be critical. 
We view the June lows as a line in the sand for the directional market movement forward. Another important factor was seeing yields reverse midday. Bonds started rallying. That was another green shoot we're studying further. The way the market closed Friday heading into the weekend provided some encouragement. Since we seem to be blanketed with bad news, I wanted to point out some positives that don't seem to be getting much recognition. The American people are still living their lives, and companies that provide high-demand products and services are still holding in just fine. Amazon's deal with the NFL is already bearing fruit. More people signed up for Amazon Prime ahead of the first game than on Prime Day, Black Friday, and Cyber Monday combined. This, on top of all the Amazon delivery vans and trucks from coast to coast, bringing packages to Americans daily. Along this theme, Costco just reported better than expected revenue and profits for the last quarter. People are still buying Cokes and ketchup, clothes, Corona, coffee, fruit, and meat. They might be buying smaller quantities as the economy slows, but companies still deliver regardless of where we are in the cycle. Something that will make all Costco shoppers happy, they didn't raise the annual membership fee. So we all save money already. As you settle into fall, just remember that September is historically the worst month on the calendar for stocks. October has brought many market bottoms, which have set up a powerful year-end rally. Q4 has traditionally been the best-performing quarter. Perhaps it was a sign last night that I heard the Green Day song on my way home from the office, Wake Me Up When September Ends. September's almost over. Have a nice weekend. We'll be back dark and early on Monday. I'm Mike Frazier.